Welcome to One Q, a podcast by Blueprint Technologies, where guests from all different industries are asked one new burning question about the future of digital transformation. Here's your host, president and co-founder of Blueprint, Ryan Neal. Hello, welcome to another episode of One Q Podcast, where we discuss the next wave of innovation in technology and businesses. I'm your host, Ryan Neal, president of Blueprint Technologies, and today we have on our show our guest uh, is Mark Bowles. He's Principal Program Manager over at Microsoft. Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Do you want to tell a little bit about uh, what your background is, uh, what you do at Microsoft, kind of what you're passionate about? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been at Microsoft nine years and uh, in a couple of roles. Uh, I've been in the manufacturing supply chain of Microsoft, so operationally really applying our technology to a business problem. And I've been on the product side a couple of times. Um, in, in product management uh, for SQL Server, data warehouses, big data workloads, things like that. Um, went back into the supply chain and then I just recently came back into the product group to do open source databases as a managed service, uh, PostgreSQL, MySQL, MariaDB, uh, and Azure. Awesome. Mark's a former Marine. Uh, what was your first gig coming out of the Marine Corps? <laughs> yeah, my first gig out of the Marine Corps uh, was actually working at Perot Systems. Uh, I was hired by Ross Perot. Uh, he was recruiting um, junior military officers he thought had potential, leadership potential that he could develop with technical skills, high, higher character, train skills. So, yeah, my final hiring interview was Ross Perot. It was a surreal, surreal moment. That's awesome. So Mark translated the uh, or transitioned from uh, the skills he learned in the Marine Corps to actually creating uh, technology products. And, uh, and, and that's why we're talking about today. Uh, we have a pretty good background. Mark's been a, a friend of the blueprint crew for a while and we've uh, made some pretty cool stuff together. Um, so on the, the, we'll get to the one Q. Um, one of the things that we're super passionate about at blueprint is all around facilitating innovation, structured innovation. And it's also coming out of the big problem that we see in the industry out, out in the world today is there's so many big companies that are, uh, have so much organizational gridlock, uh, but they also have a big amount of, a huge amount of pressure to be able to actually change and transform. That's the whole digital transformation concept. And, and so what we've been working on quite a bit is this like structured facilitated innovation where companies have to develop an almost an innovation culture or an ability to innovate at the same time as achieving this operational excellence. Um, so the one cue, the one cue of the day is 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 how do you think companies can actually achieve that innovation in the midst of all of this Amazon effect pressure, low oil prices, hemorrhaging economy, things like that? How do how do how, how do companies achieve innovation in the middle of that? You know, I, I think you know I'm 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 really inspired by the open source community and how they do it, and so something I've been thinking a lot about lately. And I've been kicking around, you know, back at work at Microsoft and um, some of our customers and, and thought leaders and some of our, our leaders in Microsoft is what we're talking about. It's an open innovation framework. And um, this is something I'm pushing really hard because I think it, I think it works and works a lot better um, and facilitates that structured innovation you're talking about in a highly creative yet focused way. And so... You know, if I put that in the Microsoft context and I wanted to try and make that work here, Microsoft, I can wave my magic wand and try it, which we're, we're underway is, yeah. you know, I think there's a, a good set of base capability that Microsoft has and it's, it surfaces um, where I work in Azure incredibly well, right? We have a large scale commercial cloud platform that's everywhere that has, you know, amazing 
um, you know, base services, you know, data services, app development services, machine learning services, great services. But those have to be applied to a vertical business problem for high value. And they have to do it in a way um, that I don't think we're, we're um, comfortable with. Yeah. And, and so how do you connect this amazing capability called Azure and cloud to a in, culture of innovation and innovative, innovative business models? Um, and I think the way we think about it is, is, you know, you have this base layer of intellectual property called Azure. And then I would say there's non-differentiated IP that those services need to produce, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, one of the examples we're talking with is, is large customers on retail, um, visual analytics, um, computer vision, how computer vision can solve all sorts of problems in retail. And that that base, you know, of, of retail visual analytics could apply across all sorts of different retailers, yep. right? Yep. And then a company could use that um, base retail um, visual or visual analytics technology to be what we call differentiated IP. The third and final most valuable layer arguably is how would they use that for their business and how would they innovate with that? And how yeah. would they reimagine what their business could be using this technology? Yeah. And so it's effectively what Amazon is doing quite a bit within their own four walls, right? Yeah. I mean, they're exactly. So they're, you know, they're not only a cloud company, but they're the largest, you know, e-tailer and, they're going into all sorts of diverse businesses, you know, in the world. So this is what they do. And so the the rest of the the world is fragmented. You know, you have your cloud provider, you have an established incumbent, or you have a startup, and it's very difficult to do, at, you know, at scale um, the way they do it. I think a way to to pace and, and potentially outpace what they're doing is just kind of through this open innovation framework. And that would really be, that, hey, you consider, you know, giving up control in many ways and saying, look, you know, think of Azure as committers on these services. We understand computer science and scalability and all the fundamentals of how this engineering technology should work. Um, that middle layer of differentiated IP could come from contributors, right? People who are more vertical, understand more vertical, need to apply it. And then you have that final differentiated IP, which is how a specific business uses that technology to go all the way. To be super innovative, though, let's maybe take an example of a of a large retailer we're we're talking with today. Yeah. Um, so it, we, we just out in the public of what we've heard a lot of uh, read read is a lot of companies like Walmart that are trying to do that just just this right, and it's a challenge. It's a big challenge for them. Yeah, it's a big culture shift. I think it, it really goes to the heart of the question you asked me is is how do how do companies become innovative? And I think you have to look at your you know, who you think your competition is, is really not your competition mm-hmm. and you want to innovate with them. Yeah. Um, and I think that you have to re- reevaluate your partners. Like, you know, a company like Blueprint isn't your service provider. They're a co-innovation partner. I think the academic community, um, in particular in the United States and, and in computer science in general is largely untapped for breadth and specific commercial innovation. And we're, we're not using um, this huge talent pool there. And the things you and I are talking about, it's, you know, real-time supply chain, real-time eventing in the supply chain. We're talking about retail and computer vision. And we really want to advance computer vision and computer vision products faster. Yeah. Now, the traditional model is, you know, you go get VC, you start up, you hire, you do, you do this, you do that. Um, and I think, you know, that um, every company is going to be a software company. Their core product and service is going to be digitally enabled. 
whether it's commerce, um, clothing, <laughs> whatever, they're, they're, they have, they'll have a, a digital presence, a digital, their, their business is digitizing. And so if we took our, our friends um, down in San Francisco, what I talked to them about is I said, I don't think you're actually in the retail clothing business anymore. I think you're in the um, clothing, you know, real-time personal clothing manufacturing. I think you're in the clothing manufacturing, clothing distribution, and clothing experience business. And that's different than what you have today. And the way you enable that digitally is going to be very, requires tons of innovation. And if they're to do that at scale in an exciting, engaging yeah. way that's not only highly competitive but innovative, they have to think about who their competitors are and how they build technology very differently. That's a big challenge for them because it takes them from an entire culture that thinks of themselves as a brick-and-mortar retailer, like they own the in-store experience, to thinking differently about their business, right? How do they get there? Yeah, I think they need to think of themselves like more of a software company. Um and that, you know, these um, experiences I was just talking about, you know, real-time garment manufacturing, this highly personal, uh, real-time distribution, you know, within an hour of when it's, you know, made just for you, it's totally unique. Um, how do you, how would you do that if you didn't have the massive established supply chain like a, that a Microsoft or a Walmart or someone has? How, how would you do that? Um, how would you... How would you even replicate that if you wanted to? Oh, you're probably not going to do it as an individual standalone company, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that they're... Just because they don't have the capability. Well, they don't have the it. capability and, it, and, 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 you know, the cost and the, the level of innovation yeah. and, and then the customer base that they would need um, to support this level of innovation is, is hard to attain, right? right? And so you go, huh, how could I cheat that? How could I hack all that um, and win? And so... That's what I've been thinking about a lot lately, Ryan, yeah. um, and about some of the projects I've worked on with you and others that we've learned from. And I think one of the ways to, to do it is to say, actually, you know, our, our customers should actually go in the software business. This one clothing retailer actually has, if, if they, so if you take this premise, you go, look, the maximum the large clothing retailer can do is, let's say they did all this innovation on their own and they, they, they dial it at their existing market share and aspirationally where they wanted to grow. Um, that's as good as their software innovation would get. I mean, that's the maximum they would they would realize from their investments, right? And their innovation. They would yep. point it at their existing market. They would grow it a bit and go, "Hey, hooray for us!" Yep. However, if they took that non-differentiated IP, that would affect tons of non-competing retailers, right? There's a ton of non-competing retailers, right. like more non-competing retailers out there right. that would need these capability than there are actually competing ones. Right. And if you consolidated the competing ones behind this technology and you sold it to non-competing ones, now you have a beautiful new business. Right. And so that's what I'd love to see them do. I would love to see this retailer um, get in the software business and build retail IP, that middle layer of IP, that non-differentiated IP, yeah. that they could go out and be commercialized and used at yeah. scale. Things that aren't aren't core to their competitive advantage, or or actually give them a competitive advantage, but they don't sell it to their competitors. That's true, and so this it brings up interesting go-to-markets. So mm -hmm. I think how this would be done is is I think you need, actually need to create an open innovation lab where you'd bring in a scaled cloud provider like Microsoft. You'd bring in um, unique partners that have unique capabilities in the mach machine learning, data science, mm -hmm. computer vision, and uh, our research communities, uh, our academic communities where students want to learn um, and solve real-world problems. And 
you have some of the greatest minds doing this for us. At Microsoft, we had the great systems lab innovating yeah. in, in, uh, in database technologies. And we have this untapped body, and you'd bring them in in a way where you could, you know, you could potentially open source, you know, data sets to solve a specific problem, but then channel specific IP um, from that innovation to solve a, a commercial business problem. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things that, you know, we're thinking about, like how that would come together. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's because uh, um, there's, a, there's a lot of successful companies out there, like Databricks, that's how they got founded, right? You know, they came out of uh, the Cal Berkeley Right and and uh, and then open source Spark and created their own proprietary version of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. And so. And that's a. I mean, they've they've grown incredibly fast. Yeah, and and you know they're you know they're on Azure. We love mm -hmm. Databricks. Yeah. Um, customers love Databricks, and I think that's a really good example. And so the, I think the you know what what I was talking to this retailer about was hey look, um, you know if you wanted to solve. Um, real-time clothing manufacturing, real-time supply chain, uh, different and unique retailer experiences, micro stores, deeply personal, very low inventory, right. um, quick ship, clothing as a service, your wardrobe rotates, you know, all sorts of things like that. Um, it would be great if you did that for the industry. And it would be great if then if you establish unique experiences for unique brands and let the brands kind of take on a life of their own. Yeah. But those enabling capabilities, you would build with an industry view and with a software view. Like you would think of yourself as a technology company that would allow brands to be highly creative and innovative off your technology, that differentiated side. Right. And so we're trying to convince them that, you know, what you thought were your competitors aren't. They should actually, they need the same capabilities you do. Um, your competitors really, you know, what's happening in Amazon, what's happening in Alibaba, what's yeah. happening um, in, with scale disruptors like that, it's really not, you know, brand X that you used to traditionally compete against. It's the ability to stay relevant, um, different, and, you know, highly creative and new. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they have, you know, they have a legacy problem. You have your existing, existing business and brand. And so the only way to keep that existing brand healthy while disrupting yourself I think it's going through this open innovation experience where you're willing to um, partner with a company like ours and, um, you know, unique, unique um, businesses like yours, um, the academic community in ways that we just haven't been able to do in the past. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's a, it's a great way for all of these companies out there that are feeling all this pressure to be able to reduce their footprint, um, be leaner. Uh, and be, and mo most importantly, move faster. Move, I agree. Um, and that, and you know, that's a mentality we need to think differently about. I think at Microsoft too, we don't have to build everything. You know, right. there's as amazing as a company is, and it is amazing. Um, but there's smarter people, more smart people outside than in. Um, there's more capability outside the company than in. As much as we would love to concentrate it all, um, it's not all at Microsoft. And so mo some of the biggest business problems, most innovative problems, are outside the company. And so we need a framework in a way that says we can... Are you, are, you, are you really actually saying that Microsoft can't build everything the best out there? <laughs> they don't build everything the best? <laughs> no, and, and we, we, you know, I don't think we need to try, right? I think the best is, is when we take what we're really good at, um, and that's, you know, amazing scale platforms today, 
we have vertical products that I think are amazing too. Yeah. Um, I think Xbox is amazing. I think Dynamics is amazing. Um, you know, we have Office that is getting more and more vertical. So, you know, being very vertically adapted in the market is a very good thing, and we're doing that. But to reinvent, you know, retail clothing and you know at scale, countering offshore manufacturing with onshore high tech innovation and all those kind of things. You know, I think we can facilitate that as the base layer um, and really help our customers achieve that non-differentiated IP um, to give a truly differentiated experience at the size and scale and pace that, um, you know, this amazing market competition from Amazon and others are driving us all to. So this is a very healthy thing. Definitely. Um, And Microsoft's embraced it from the top level down for the the whole transformation within, within the company as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean... You know, when I worked traditionally in the manufacturing supply chain, it was an IT org. And I think this is where the, the big hangups happen. Um, you know, internal IT has been asked to develop, you know, a point solution for a point problem at the lowest cost right now. Um, and then you stitch another one, and then you stitch another one, and then you stitch another one. And I remember telling my boss when I was in the supply chain, hey, look, as, as, as good as I ever do for you, um, you know, we have a large you know, cost of goods sold supply chain, but the only thing I can bring you and Microsoft in value is I can lower costs or I can increase sell through using supply chain technologies, right? right? That's as good as I get. But if I solve the non-differentiated problem that we could go to market on, not only would we solve it for ourselves, we would go to market with this highly creative product um, and drive opportunity and revenue and growth for the company. And we address a much bigger opportunity. And so that's what you see in traditional IT. And that's what we're changing at Microsoft. You know, Microsoft's IT doesn't have a chief information officer anymore. It's part of our strategy group. And we're looking at how, you know, our own IT can actually solve vertical problems. Yeah. Um, and that our customers could benefit from that. Yeah, I don't think a lot of customers, at, companies out there actually know that trans, transformation that, that Microsoft has gone and leveraging their IT organization as a driver of business versus just somebody that keeps the lights on and doesn't let things break. Right, and I think that's, the, that's what the opportunity is, especially with cloud, uh, machine learning, and all these amazing new technologies is, you know, don't have your IT do point solutions. I think you want to be in the digital business and, and you effectively want to be in the software business. Yeah. Um, you can, you, you know, the problems that you have in your business are broad and non-differentiated. Um, if you target, you know, your, your productive capability towards a non-differentiated scale of opportunity, you're going to address a much bigger market. But you could emulate a massive company if you did it in the open innovation way I'm talking about. Yep. You could you could leverage capability. But today we let, you know, contracts and rates and we don't bring stakeholders in. And that's where I'm inspired by the open source community. They they do. You know, they have committers and contributors and they have an organized way to synthesize the IP, to commit the actual code. Um, you know, test it and get it to a quality and distribute it um, in a, in a very organized, repeatable way. Right. Um, And I'm inspired by that. And so, you know, I think that that type of um, development can be applied uniquely across a whole different set of stakeholders that can develop this kind of IP um, and share it um, and, and take it to market differently than we have in the past. That's awesome. So if you had to give uh, kind of one piece of advice to any of the 
C-level executives and any of those major companies that are feeling a lot of pressure out there about how to get their company to innovate or their views around partners and views on the future of IT, like what would you, what, what advice would you give them? I think the first thing I would, I would ask them is, you know, what business do you think you're in? And, um, if it's not, you know, if it's not trending towards like a digital core, um, high, you know, highly innovative business, um, you know, I think that would be problematic because the successful competition is. So I'd ask them that first. The next thing is, is I would, I would tell them to draw from the open source community, be willing to give up some control and to have, you know, committers and contributors and be able to synthesize, you know, creativity and technical innovation like the open source community does faster. And in some cases, go ahead and, and be comfortable creating and releasing open source products. That's awesome. Cool. Well, if you want to get the, uh, if, if anybody would like to get connected with you uh, to learn more about supply chain, tech, innovation, uh, cloud, digital transformation, um, how can everybody get con uh, connected with you? Do you actually have a LinkedIn profile yet? Or yeah, it's just incognito. <laughs> no, I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just Mark Bowles. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can connect how do you, me. How do you spell your last name? Bowles, B-O-L-Z. Awesome. Cool. Well, all this information about the podcast will be available uh, in our notes. And as always, thanks for listening. Be sure to turn in uh, next week as we feature another guest that is pivotal and influential in innovation in technology. Thanks for coming on the show, Mark. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on OneQ, a production of Blueprint Technologies. Subscribe to the show to be the first to hear about announcements and new episodes. Be sure to visit our website at bpcs.com to learn more about digital transformation and the innovative technology solutions you could be using today. See you next time on OneQ by Blueprint. Views and opinions expressed by the participants on this podcast represent their own and not those of the institutions they work for. For more information, visit bpcs.com slash OneQ.